You are listening to The Ron Van Dam Show. That's one part blah, 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 one part ha, 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 and just a smidgen of ta-da. The following program is brought to you in living color. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. It's The Ron Van Dam Show. Back off, back off. Hold on tight, things can get a bit weird, if you like that sort of thing. You're too close to the speaker, back off a little bit. You're too close to me, back off. You're invading my personal space with tanks and ammunition, back off. That's better. Thank you. Thank you for regarding and respecting my personal space. No, you. Get away from the speak. Back off. Welcome to the program. It is the Ron Van Dam Show. I think you can tell by now it's not this normal kind of podcast radio show kind of thing. It's a guy spouting off about stuff that we all go through, but no one's spouting off about it like this son of a bitch. That's me, by the way. Grievance box doth run over, as Shakespeare would say. I knew Shakespeare personally. I told him a few times, I don't care for your plays all that much. I don't understand them. And why don't you just like talk like everybody else? What's was this doth and hath stuff? Seriously, Will. Get it on, man. But Shakespeare became popular anyway, despite my warnings about being so stupid about the plays. I mean, I said, you know, I called him, we were very, very close. I mean, not in that way. Oh, wait a minute, not in that way. But we were very close, um, Will and I. I even wrote a book called Will and I. It was about Shakespeare. And I called him, because we were so familiar, I called him by a nickname that I had made up. It's called Shakes. I said, hey, Shakes. And he thought that was so funny. And you know what he called me? Ron. I know. So funny. So funny. I said, Shakes, um, your plays are, first of all, they're too lengthy. No one knows what the hell's going on. You're using some kind of language that you made up like pig Latin. And on top of that, man, when you have the plays performed that you write, you have guys playing the roles of girls. Why don't you get some girls? Why don't you hire some girls? And Shakes said, girls, I don't know. I don't know about that. I said, Shakes, you're behind the times. But he didn't listen to me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not that old. Anyway, <laughs> to this day, I actually have a book on my bookshelf By the way, um, if you don't have a bookshelf in your family room or living area or apartment, wherever you may live, it shows that you're, uh, what's the word, uncultured, um, uh, those kinds of words. 
Here's a little clue for you if you want to kind of impress people even a little bit. Put a couple of books on the shelf. It really makes a difference. Whether you read them or not, that's not the point. Just put them up there. Display that you have some kind of intelligence. And hang a picture on the wall that isn't a picture of you with your family. I mean, I know you love your family and you want to put them on the wall because otherwise in real life you can't enjoy them. I get that, but put a piece of art on the wall. You know, something that's like uh, um, artful, so to speak. People will think you're cultured. If they know you really well, they know you're really not. But other people will think you're cultured. Just get a book, display it, put a picture on the wall that isn't a picture of your family or of Jesus or something like that. I mean, that's like family too. Put, a, put some kind of art on the wall. Seriously, man. Show a little bit of creativity and love of something other than people. Those are my tips for you today. And by the way, that cost you absolutely nothing. People charge for tips like that, like an interior decorator. Oh my God. <laughs> I've, I've, I've never understood. I'm sorry. If your job, if your occupation is interior decorating, you're kind of making money off of the fact that other people aren't. You know, I know these people, they just have no taste whatsoever. They're kind of like, taste blind they just like don't they don't know what looks good so they hire me okay so you're kind of sponging off of people's stupidity okay whatever interior decorate can you decorate my interior sure put a chair over there thank you that'll be two thousand dollars for my services I, i wish they were that cheap i've never had an interior decorator my father uh, in his second marriage, uh, had a wife, lovely woman, lovely woman. She made him very happy the second time around. And that's like, that's the game. That's, that's beautiful. But she was a little, how can I put it? little snooty woody, little snooty woody. So, uh, she had to show everybody else that she had an interior decorator who came over and said, put the chair over there. Thank you. Thank God I hired you. I was going to put the chair on the ceiling. I'll put the chair over there. Let's put a picture of, let's put a Van Gogh over there. I'm not sure what you just said. What's a Van Gogh? I heard of Van Damme, very talented man. But Van Gogh, I'm not, I'm not familiar. Does he have a talk show? No, Van Gogh is a painting. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's why I don't do this. She was actually a very intelligent woman, but she hired an interior decorator, and I believe the only reason she did that so that her friends could say, she's got an interior decorator. She's got her interior decorated. And when people come over, they say, oh, you have a lovely home. Yes, and I have an interior decorator. Oh, oh, I see. So your talent is wasting money on things that are quite obvious anyway if you had half a brain. Oh, that's not nice to say. Oh, so you have so much money you don't know what to do with it, so you hire people to do things that you can probably do yourself. Oh, that's not nice to say. So you have no, uh, no facility in your brain to know what looks good to yourself and other people. Oh, that's not nice to say. 
hey, pay me 5,000 bucks and I will tell you to put the chair over there. You're brilliant. You're brilliant. Who else would put a chair over there? It's me, only me, only me, because I'm an interior decorator. I decorate interiors. If you ever sell your house, you know, what you do is you move all your stuff out of the house, put it in storage or move it somewhere else, and then uh, a, a person comes in, an interior decorator, uh, or a real estate agent hires an interior decorator, and they stage your house. I thought staging your house was like you put on little plays, you know. We're going to hire a theater group, and we're going to uh, stage a, a Shakespeare play, by the way, in your home. That's not what it means, apparently. Take your furniture out, take your crappy, disgusting furniture out, and we're going to put really nice furniture in there, and then when people look at your house for sale, they'll think, oh, this is beautifully done, even though they don't get the furniture. But this is, imagine, imagine if you had some taste and enough money to buy this expensive furniture and these decorations. Imagine if you lived here and had all these things that we'll be taking out once you buy the house. It's like a magic trick. Oh, here it is. Oh, I like it. I'll buy it. Okay, now I'm taking this stuff away. Now here it is. Hey, wait a minute. What happened to all the stuff? It was staging. We staged it. It's a magic show that we staged for you. By the way, um, talking about gullible, how many people, raise your hand, raise your hand, we're going to do a little quiz right now, raise your hand if you think that when a magician saws a woman in half, that she's actually sawed in half, look at all the hands go up, no, it's a trick, they've tricked you, they've made a freaking fool out of you, look at that, she sawed in half, um, no, that's not really, po I mean, you can do that, but it's probably not really happening. How many people uh, out there listening to this show think that the world is flat? Yeah, me too. Okay, fine. Never mind. <laughs> How many people think the world is round, but the people are flat? Yeah, that's everyone, man. Oh, come on. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. I should run for president. Everybody agrees with me. <laughs> uh is watching Jeopardy or something, or maybe uh, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? I don't know what show it was, some game show. And the, the question was, uh, what place on the earth um, does the sun still appear in the sky at night? And all these people answered, uh, uh, Finland, Iceland, um, uh, South Pole. And the answer was, no, you freaking fool. If the sun is up, it can't be night. That's called daytime. When the, <laughs> If there's a sun, it's daytime anywhere. There's not a place on the earth where the sun is up, but it's the middle of the night. There's no such thing. That's not the definition. of Night means there's no sun. Well, how come we can see the moon during the day? Okay, because the moon isn't the sun, Einstein. Oh, my God. Some of you probably said, Ron, I didn't know that. I thought it was Finland and, and Sweden as well. This is what I'm talking about. The world is round, the people are flat. 
I know you knew that. There's an old joke. It's about Polish people. And I don't know why Polish people, the jokes are about how stupid they are. Because I know a lot of Polish people, and they're not stupid. I have no idea where that came from. I, 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 it's just beyond me where that came from. Was there one guy that happened to be Polish that said something stupid, and now it's every Polish person? What a racist thing that is. Anyway, I know some Polish people are a lot smarter than you and me. Anyway, the joke was, um, how did the Polish person um, travel to the sun uh, and not get burned up? And the, uh, the answer is, they went at night. And if you thought, oh, that's a possibility, that might be how you do it, then you're also stupid. So what I've done here is I've shown you how stupid people are and then also that Polish people are not really uh, stupid. I don't know. I don't know. I just don't know. There was the joke of how do you screw in a light bulb? Um, well, it takes a person to stand on the chair and um, five people to uh, revolve the chair. Um, that's not how, exactly how the joke went because it's so stupid I can't even say it properly. Anyway, thanks for showing up today. I guess I'm talking about stupid people. I'm trying to find a theme for this show, and I think it's about stupid people. I think that's what it's about. <clears throat> stupid people that are so stupid that they don't know where to put a chair in a room, so they have to call an interior decorator. There's also a thing called feng shui. It's very tasty with chili sauce. By the way, why is chili sauce so hot if it's chili? Chili means it's cold. Um, that doesn't make sense, but that's not why I'm here right now. Feng shui, man. I'm not, I, I, not into it, so I speak in a lay person's type of manner always. But I think feng shui is the placement of certain things in order to uh, bring the proper vibe into a room. Uh, it's where to place plants in a room, which would be according to the interior decorator next to the chair, or to have your desk, if you have a desk in a room, face the door, so people can't. Uh, so if your if your desk is facing away from the door, people can't come through the door and kill you without you knowing it. Um, feng shui, man, it's the placement of things for the highest energy of the room. Now my room has energy. <sighs> I have placed energy into my room. This, these walls, a door and a window, now have been injected with energy. <laughs> good. What are we doing? What are we doing? Unfortunately, it's absolutely true. It is. Do you know that the, uh, the, the moon affects the tides in the ocean, which is where tides are usually? I don't know why that is or how that is because I'm not into it, but a fact is that it does. Is that a magic trick? Could be a big one. Do you remember David Copperfield? <sighs> he was a magician, and he did these huge illusions. And I was watching it on TV way back, 
decades ago, before you were born half of you. The other half were born. And it was a camera trick. Uh, what he did was, uh, it took place on Liberty Island, where the Statue of Liberty is in New York City Harbor. And he had some people sitting on uh, on a nearby island. I think it was Ellis Island, which is nearby. And he had them sitting in chairs, and they were facing the Statue of Liberty. And then what he did was, he took a gigantic curtain, uh, and he, he blocked the view of the Statue of Liberty on the uh, nearby island so that everybody in the chairs in the audience couldn't see the Statue of Liberty anymore. And then magically he removed the curtain and the Statue of Liberty was gone. And when you watched it on television, and, and the way the trick worked is you had to watch it on television really because it was a question of perspective. It was amazing if you were watching it on television. <laughs> but that astounded me. I thought, oh my God, that is the largest illusion in the world. The guy got rid of the Statue of Liberty and wiped it right off the island by putting a curtain in front of it for a couple of seconds. That's incredible. No, actually, it's the basis of many illusion magic tricks. <sighs> wow. I have fun sometimes. If you go on YouTube... YouTube isn't good for a lot, but for some things, it is fascinating. They, they had a series on television, I think it was on Fox, again, a, over a decade ago. And it was uh, the, uh, the mysterious magician or the, the something magician that he, he had his head covered with a, with a hood. You couldn't know who he was. The phantom magician or something. And he did all these illusions and magic tricks. Um, they astounded you. And then they would explain right after this magician did the trick how it was done. That was nice. That was like, bravo to you, television. And they said, well, the reason that we can expose how the tricks are done is the tricks are so old that magicians basically don't do them anymore. Well, that's that wasn't true. And they were actually, the show was sued by some uh, magician union things. But they couldn't do anything about it because, I mean, yeah, you do what you want. I mean, there's no like law against that. There's no like uh, patent against it. Uh, it was a fascinating show. You can watch it on YouTube. You can also go to YouTube and, and uh, tell YouTube like what your favorite magic trick is that you can't figure out. And they would basically tell you on YouTube how it was done. It's fascinating. I, I like that. I like that. That's called deconstruction. All right. That's enough. Uh, I do have a guest coming up momentarily who will also astound you, but not with magic necessarily, only with conversation. As I astound you with conversation, I am a magician of the oral type. Yeah, I know. I know what you're thinking. And it's not true. Well, it could be true. You don't know. <laughs> you don't even know what I'm talking about. That's the wonderful thing about it. All right. Um, how about this? And then we'll be back with our guest. Gentlemen, you know that when you decide to get engaged, you'll be making one of the most important investments of your life. Think about it. From the moment you get down on bended knee and present the ring, how much you actually love someone will be judged solely on the size of the stone you buy. And not just by the one you love, but by literally everyone she knows. And strangers. 
At Schlickashek, the jewelers, we know that when you're about to cough up what amounts to a few months' rent to obtain the exclusive naming rights to a vagina, you want to be able to be sure that you've made the best choice. So if you've decided it's time to staple gun your man tackle to a single hitching post and to never be able to experience the simple joy of a meaningless hookup without handing over half your stuff, come to Schlickashek to Jewelers and see our amazing line of certified high-quality shallow female ego strokers. Take it from me, Herbert Schlickashek. I'm not just your local jeweler, I've been married six and a half times. Vegas marriages, boys. Very easy to annul when the shrew goes south on you. And she will. Dan Leonard is Senior Meteorologist at the Weather Company in IBM Business. Thanks for being with us today, Dan. Absolutely. You know, uh, all of a sudden, I don't know why, but within the past maybe five years, all of a sudden weather is like the major topic of news uh, it, it affects everything. I don't remember growing up weather being such a big thing. It's just something that happened in the sky. Now it's like, wow, we're aware of weather all over the place. And it's kind of, a week away, we can tell uh, what the weather's going to be like. It's uh, How did this phenomenon start? Have you noticed a change in our interest in weather? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm a meteorologist, so yeah. I've been interested well, okay. in weather my whole life here. <laughs> but uh, yes, there's been an absolute uh, increase in the amount of attention paid to weather recently. You're right about that. Uh, and I think a, a lot of it has to do with the fact that variability has increased a lot. I mean, look at this year. Uh, up here in the Northeast, we've been a little bit immune to this, but a lot of the country, uh, you have a really warm winter, then suddenly out of nowhere, you get this amazing Arctic blast, record cold temps in a lot of the Midwest and South, and now we're right back into the warm pattern. So this is obviously a big topic of conversation for everybody because it's affecting so many people. It's, it's dramatic. And a question I get a lot is, you know, Dan, is this climate change? Yeah. Climate change in action. And honestly, I, I can't say with 100% certainty, yes, this is climate change. But what I can say is that our warmer climates are causing or, or more likely to lead to this type of variability. Uh, we had it last year. Remember, right around Christmas, we had that big Arctic blast, but mm -hmm. warm winter overall. Back in 2001, we had it. Remember the Texas freeze-off? The, the entire state froze in February. But again, that was a warm winter. And I think going forward, this kind of extreme variability is going to be common in winter where you tend to get these generally mild mm -hmm. winters, but they're interspersed with periods of extreme cold. And from a meteorological perspective, that makes sense. If you're adding heat to a system, energy to a system, yeah. you're more likely to get amplified jet stream patterns. So you get these dramatic amplifications yeah. that seemingly come out of nowhere, big cold shots, but in general, you're pretty warm. And I think that's the common theme going forward with winter anyway. Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting because over the past couple of years, and you've heard this and probably said it yourself, is uh, this is the warmest uh, year on record. Uh, it's the warmest day on record, uh, which goes back certainly a long time. Um, all of a sudden, we're breaking records every single year. Every, it's, it's, it becomes a bit concerning. I mean, are we actually breaking records like this? Oh, yeah. I, and, and the number of warm records outweighs the number of cold records. Like it, sure. It's a crazy ratio, like 10 to 1. Yeah. Um, yeah, last year was the warmest year globally on record. This year we'll probably do it again because it's an El Nino year. And mm -hmm. if you think of climate as sort of 
walking up steps on a on a staircase. Each El Nino year is a step up. Yeah. So this is a classic example of that. It was a really warm uh, year last year. We're going to do it again this year because we're coming off of an El Nino. And it's not just the atmosphere. The oceans are super warm as well. Yeah. Record warmth everywhere in the oceans. It's just incredible. So, yeah, this kind of variability is going to continue indefinitely. Yeah, and also the, the intensity has ramped up. I mean, we're talking uh, flooding. We're talking tornadoes, uh, freezes. I mean, it's... Like, wow, uh, can't we just, like, have some weather instead of, like, extremes all the time? But this might be the direction we're headed in. I think so, yes. Uh, there's certain aspects of the weather that are more or less impacted by it. But mm -hmm. um, I, I think in general, the thing you're going to notice uh, more and more going forward is, you know, in increase in, in severe-type yes. weather, where especially heat waves, obviously, yeah. during the summer. Yeah. Uh, that's something that's becoming more and more common. Um, but also mm -hmm. something you don't think it, um, is actually increased uh, flooding potential. Yeah. Atmosphere that's warmer can hold more moisture. So we had it last year, of course, remember up in Vermont last year, yeah. um, and even in, in some in New Hampshire in, in, uh, recently. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is, I think this is a common theme going forward. Too, yeah, actually. and oddly enough, the, the one thing that insurance doesn't cover. So <laughs> there you go, uh, unless you really pay for it. Um, yeah, it's 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 very interesting. It's also interesting how specific we're getting with weather. I do remember again when I was growing up, when a, a meteorologist or they called them weather people at that time uh, made a prediction. It wasn't right all the time. It was frequently incorrect. Now it's like right on the money, down to the minute. How the hell does that happen? Yeah, well, it's a combination of things. It, mm -hmm. The technology has just improved dramatically over the past four years. Do you know that a forecast now at seven days is the same accuracy as a four-day forecast was 40 years wow. ago? It's pretty amazing the leaps and bounds we've come over the years. But, you know, even then, I still get ribbed every now and then. Hey, Dan, you're lucky you still get paid whether you're right <laughs> or wrong. You know, some variation of that joke I get all the time. Um, but here's the bottom line. We're more accurate than ever. Yeah. You're right about that. And it's getting more precise and more right down to the minute, the timing of, of weather events that we can provide. So, yeah, this is a great case where we provide, um, you know, we, we use the technology, the artificial intelligence, machine learning, and we combine that with, with a great team of human forecasters. Yeah. And all of a sudden we got this uh, forecast that's way better than it used to be. Yeah. And actually, it's it's saving lives. I mean, if we know ahead of time what, what could be happening or probably will happen, uh, that's actually, uh, that's our safety. And uh, that's very important, certainly more so than ever. Yeah, absolutely. I, I It's critical to get good weather information, yeah. that type of thing, absolutely. Yeah. And businesses uh, thrive on this too. Bad weather, uh, people don't go out or whatever the case may be, or I mean... I, it's this this all this, weather affects everything because we as people are kind of weird and we just uh, we just follow this i mean uh, yeah well <laughs> if you left your house today you were affected by weather it literally affects yeah. everything we do every aspect of our lives and <laughs> um you know businesses have to keep that in mind as well how many times have you heard a company blame their poor quarterly uh report on, yeah. on a, a unexpected weather events well it's yeah. like 
you know, we have the technology available. Where was your weather strategy? Why weren't you prepared for this? So I think it's critical going forward. It's not just for consumers. Uh, this is for businesses as yeah. well, get good weather information, and you have to be prepared for it. And uh, the, it, going forward, it's it's more and more important than ever. Yeah. Um, very quickly, Dan, I, I am against AI, artificial intelligence, because I think that used the wrong way, uh, we're basically destroyed. Uh, but used the right way, it can actually improve our lives and, again, keep us safe. So far with weather, AI has been uh, very, very helpful, I believe. Yeah, slippery slope there with AI, yeah. obviously. But that's why we combine it also with human forecasters. You know, mm -hmm. the AI might give us some insights into, oh, I, you know, we didn't see that, or yes. that, that's interesting, um, you know, interesting aspect of the weather or the forecast that, we, that humans weren't able to pick up on. But then at other times, you know, you've seen it in, with AI and other aspects, yeah. chat, whatever, that comes up with something crazy, and then a human intervenes and says, no, 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 actually, it's, yeah. it's this way. So I think it's important there to get a good balance of the technology oh, yes. and the human aspect of forecasting. Yeah, I don't want to get to the point where I have to ask, is this really Dan Leonard, or is it a recording of him that has been created? I don't know. Is it really Dan? So we don't want to go there. Okay. Uh, the weather company, Weather Channel, uh, is an IBM business indeed, and they have been uh, at the forefront of uh, technology for quite some time. How can businesses, actually, especially businesses, get more information about this? Uh, just go to weather, uh, weatherchannel.com or uh, weather.com, and, and um, that's all they need to know. Excellent. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. It's been wonderful. Well, that'll do it for me today. Thank you to my guest, and thank you to you for backing up away from the speaker as I requested at the beginning of the program. I'll be back again tomorrow with a brand new show, well, program, uh, episode, I should say. I don't know what you call them. Uh, but until that time arrives, I wish you peace. Peace.